The revolution will not be televised. The revolution will be streamed live. Uh, what's up, everybody? Welcome to a new episode, still quarantine edition. Kind of, I guess this might be on the tail end of the, of the, of the quarantine. I don't know. We, we, every day is something. <laughs> uh, welcome to a new edition of Critical and Thinking Podcast. Ty Barnett. Ian Harris, what is happening? And when hey. we have a guest here. We, got a guest. we have a special guest. We have a very special guest. He's a special guest for a couple of reasons. Um, one, uh, he's a friend of mine from a long time ago. Uh, two, he's a comedian. And three, and, and, uh, and relevant to what we're talking about today as well, he is an uh, uh, active police officer. So please, nice. everybody, welcome to the show. Dwayne Gill, you guys. Welcome Thank to the show. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate this. Amen. Hey, Hey, we go way back, man. <laughs> yes, yes. We go back to um, Joey's. Joey's, Joey's uh, in Las Vegas. I saw you in Las Vegas. Was it the festival? No, no. We hung out when you were working at Horaz at uh, the Improv. Oh, shit. The, the, <laughs> 2006. Remember that? Oh, my God. That's when, uh, hey, Ian, remember uh, no. the Improv had, um, the, improv had the, the little thing there. Uh, right. Harris? Oh yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then uh, that remember that little uh, the little night spot they had right next to it. Yes, sir. Oh, my God. yes sir. That place was so awesome for a couple reasons. One, <laughs> it was walking distance from the stage. So, <laughs> so, and if you got drunk, it was walking distance from your hotel room. That's right. <laughs> and, uh, uh, we were just actually there. Uh, well, I was there doing. Um, I was doing uh, the cellar, but me and my wife we were walking around, and then we cool. kind of walked past there and yeah. uh, memories of, memories. of uh, back in the day. Memories. Some of them, I was not married, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> we, keep, we we'll stay away from that. We yeah, yes, 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 yes. Whole new different, <laughs> different life, you know. Uh, but it was fun times. It was fun times. So listen, man. Um, uh, first of all, uh, thank you again for doing this sure. because, and like I said to our engineer Paul before the show, uh, this is going to be a little bit deeper of a podcast than we normally do because there's no way we can ignore everything that's going on. And right. so the reason why I wanted you specifically on the show mm-hmm. was for you to give us both sides of this coin. Oh, I'd right. be more than happy to do that. More than happy because I, you know, um, and first of all, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to see you too, Ian. Um, dude, so many emotions right now as far as what's going on because I always have felt like I'm in a trap, you know, being a black man and also being a law enforcement officer. But I, I wake up like this every day. You know what I'm saying? Right. I like this every single day. And exactly. sometimes I feel as though society, especially being a black police officer, you know, I, I catch it from people who look like me because I'm, I'm part of, the, of as what they may say is the establishment. But then sometimes I'm within the establishment and those folks don't want me there either. And all I right. want to do is serve and protect. I'm like you, Ty. I'm a veteran. I was in the Marine Corps for 10 years prior to be, becoming a police officer. I've been a police officer for 29 years. You understand what I'm saying? 29. Been a comic. 16, but we ain't counting. You know, but the bottom <laughs> Man, I am hurt to my heart to see what happened to that man in Minnesota. To nobody has ever been trained to put their knee on the neck of a suspect, especially after you got the guy in handcuffs, man. 
Right. Exactly. And, he, and they, they always like to say he was resisting. He was resisting. And I found that resisting when you're a black man is talking back. Yeah, that's like, exactly what it seems like. And, and, and with like, you know, a white guy can be, you know, they've posted, I know every case is different, but they posted recently. I saw this guy that was wanted for double murder, white guy. They got him handcuffed. They give him a drink of water. Meanwhile, yeah. black guy face down, hands behind him going, hey, this hurt. Stop. I didn't do nothing. That's resisting. And it's like, even if even if they are resisting on some level, rolling over, it's not the same. It's like the, they showed the little boy a couple a couple of weeks ago. You saw the kid who was, you know, yeah, he was smoking a cigar or something like that, or buying a cigar or some kind of shit. Thirteen, and the cops on top of him just punching him in the face because he wouldn't put his hand where it was. It's like is it really and a two hundred and fifty pound man punching right. a little boy in the face because he won't. And they go, well, he shouldn't resist. Well, it, right. it's like, is is death really the punishment? For resisting and it should not resisting is is talking it, back resisting. It should not be. And in my twenty nine years in law enforcement, I've been I've, I've worked for two different agencies. And again, I don't really want to get into what agencies I did work for, but the two that I work for are very professional. We have uh, use of force standards. We're trained in them each and every year. We're trained defensive tactics. We're trained in uh, and use of force, uh, deadly force. We have to take tests every year to show that we understand the concepts behind them and that you need force with force. And as soon as force is applied and those people stop resisting, it de-escalates. So I do not understand for the life of me what would make this incident happen. Now, with that being said, though, two things, Ty, and I just want to get this out because this has been on my heart, too. Two things, I think, that take place in these type of situations. Two things. I think a lot of times some of these police officers out here are, they shouldn't be cops because they scared of a black face. And right. number two, I think there's a lack of leadership also. Okay. They always want to go back to training and this and that. You know what? Cops are trained. We are taught from day one what to do and what not to do. But right. if you choose not to do your training, you're choosing that because you're not respecting your leadership. You're not listening to your supervisors, and 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 you're you're scared. Now you know that guy obviously wasn't scared that what he did because he's hand been, was in his pocket. It was in his hand was in his pocket, and he'd been doing that before. So 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 that man knew what he was doing, and he's done stuff like that before. Because I think I think you guys can tell me he's had like I've, I was reading he had like thirteen um thirteen prior. Yeah. Now, now, I will say, though, I did look some of them up because I want to get to this later, too, about people going after Amy Klobuchar or whatever. But but some of them some of them were just, as you know, any time, at least in, from what I understand, in most most um, uh, uh, precincts, any time an officer is involved in a shooting or a death, they do an investigation because so, so a lot of times there's an investigation. And there's nothing wrong. That, that doesn't mean because there's an investigation that the person did something wrong necessarily. So a few okay. of those investigations, he, he probably didn't do anything wrong. Really quick, I, because Derek asked if he can get the first question over here, and he wanted to ask a question related, and then I want to get back to because I have a, a question for you about what you just said. But Derek wanted to know if, he says, do you feel that your life is in more danger now that there's more attention? Oh, oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, and I'm sure all of Derek. What's that? I was saying good question to Derek. Yeah, yeah. You know, no, absolutely. Uh, however, I'm, I'm, I'm a sergeant, so I, I don't really work the streets anymore, but I feel for any other officer that's out working the streets that this situation has uh, pushed law enforcement back 
25, even 50 years. I mean, back to past Rodney King. I mean, come on, man. You know, we were old enough to, mm-hmm. to remember when all that took place and how right. it took years to build trust back in the community. So, yeah, absolutely. People, police officers feel are, are, are definitely uh, have to be mindful. And I get phone calls from all over my all over the country from friends because being a stand-up for the past 16, 17 years, they know what I do. And they call me, hey, man, you all right? I'm like, dude, I'm at the house. You know, you ain't got to worry. I'm working from the house. You dig what I'm saying? But if I was out there, Todd, let me tell you something, man. It'd be a whole different story. Well, uh, uh, and, and that's – I'm glad that Derek asked that question, and I'm glad you gave that answer from a realistic standpoint because a lot of people would like to, you know, give a politically correct answer – because you're you you are in a, a unique situation because you're black and a cop in a situation where black people and cops are not jelly. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and I know that has to be hard for you to be the person. It's almost like it, us as comedians as a whole. If someone says, "Oh man, you know," uh, so you guys kind of steal material, right? Because they saw somebody else steal material. They're like, so you guys all kind of borrow material, right? And they're like, no. No, we don't. Yeah. No, we don't right. all do that. That's that, good comedian that's, don't do that. Yeah, yeah. You, you came across the wrong comedian. <laughs> so I think in this situation here, because because I've said this to people, I've said this. I've actually I've literally asked other cops. I'm like, because the the concept of the good cop versus bad cop, and they said, well, you can't judge all the cops based off of a few bad apples. And I asked the cop one time. I was coming back from uh, a trip, and I was in Los Angeles. So the cops in the airport, and I said, let me ask you something. What do you, how do you, how do you address if you know there's a bad cop and you know that this person did something wrong, why do you not say anything? And and I think their answer was like, well, I'm not, uh, it's not wrong to, uh, to ask that question, but also you got to understand the totality of every situation. And I'm like, but if it's wrong, it's wrong. Wrong is wrong. And, and, and I've always said this, like, if I was a cop, if I was a cop and I saw bad cops giving me a bad name, I'm going to go out of my way to make sure I go and make sure we get rid of those bad cops. Because I don't want to be heading home one night and somebody take it out on me Absolutely. because they just think they just see the but, uniform. Absolutely. But the problem, Ty, is that, is that, is that you're thinking from, we have, people have different mindsets. <clears throat> people have, you, you know, I mean, I rail against this all the time with, with people that are, you know, from from religion to to uh, to uh, racism to these things, people are tribalistic, and our tribes. <clears throat> we have various tribes. We have a bigger tribes, and we have smaller tribes. And you are not a super crowd oriented mind, uh, like a, a group think type person. I'm not a group think type person. But when people, a lot of times, not again, not all, but a lot of people who are group think, so. Uh, um, who, who then end up being police officers, they get, the, it's that old boys network. It's that this guy's like me. And then you add probably race onto that. So now here's a cop. He's a white cop. He's a white cop that I know. He's my, it's the same thing. Like you've, I've seen people who, who they, they, they won't rat out their, their own, their own, like, oh, well, I can't, I can't, I can't rat but, out but that guy. That, He's my brother. And it's like, well, it doesn't matter. Your brother's a murderer. That, that yeah. has to trump being and, and that's point but that's that's yeah. the, that's exactly my point is that and this is why i want to get where you where you are on this Dwayne, is like, yeah do you like do you feel that pressure like let me okay okay let me i'm trying to ask this the best way without i think i got well, i think i know what you're trying to say let's say you were 
I'm gonna give you two scenarios. Okay. Let's say you were one of the cops there, uh -huh. like like one of the one of the four cops there. Yeah. That's one scenario. What would you have done? And two, okay. let's say after it was done and you weren't one of those four cops, but now the case came to your precinct. So I'm giving you two scenarios. One where you're one of the four cops there, you know, it, what would you do in that situation? And the other is, let's say after the fact, it came to you that those four cops let that dude die. Okay. What would you do cop on nope. the scene? Number one, those are two great questions. And I'd be happy to give you uh, my what ifs or or, or uh, what I would have done. But I also give you a third because I've been in that situation. Really? I've been in that situation before. So first off, um, if I was in that scenario and I was one of those cops and I saw what he was doing, I would have stopped it. Okay? I mean, it's easy for you to say I'm Monday morning quarterback and whatnot, but no, no. That is unacceptable. I would have pulled him off of him and got that individual in a car and would have went off on him for doing what he did as well as make a complaint. That's number one. That's exactly what should have happened. Because when you see somebody breaking the rules or breaking the law or breaking policy, you have a duty as a police officer and a human being to stop it, number one. Now, number two, if I was back, in, if I was the internal affairs officer and that thing came across my desk, absolutely, I would investigate it, find out exactly what happened, get the videos, and then uh, sent it up to the prosecutor for uh, for a decision, a charging decision, okay? Mm -hmm. So believe me, uh, in the 29 years I've been a police officer, I know a little bit about this, okay? <laughs> now, what I will tell you, the third thing, I've been in that situation, okay? Okay. I was a two-year, let me see, 90, I was about a three-year trooper, and I was working undercover, and um, we did a we did a raid on a on a on a crack house that I had purchased drugs in, um, you know, day or two before whatever, and we and I had a mask on and a whole nine yards, and we hit the door and we went in, we got everybody on the ground, and after we got everybody on the ground, secured the area. We started, you know, we had everybody handcuffed. We started, uh, you know, lifting up the prisoners and whatnot. Well, one lieutenant grabbed one of the black males uh, by his arm and lifted him up off the ground by his arm. You know, you can dislocate somebody's shoulder. Yeah. Like, they're handcuffed, and you're trying to lift him up, and he was flailing him around like a rag doll, okay? Now, in that situation, I, I was like, what the hell are you doing? This guy's in handcuffs. He, stop it. Stop. I had, I, I, I it, it, it drove me crazy. Wow. And, you did it on the scene. You told him right there. Yeah, told him right there. So that's, I'm a two year, two, three year troop or whatever. I'm telling him, you know what I'm saying? So that, that lieutenant at that time, man, he, he got in trouble, you know? And, uh, and the thing is, we are so professional in the organization I work for that that's what's expected. Right. That's, See, that's what's expected to be done, and that's what should have been done in that situation the other day. But can, 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 can I ask, because I want to go back a little bit to where we were, and also uh, one of the people, Sam, asked a question about, about um, is it motivated by fear? And I was going to bring some up, and I'm sorry if it goes a little bit long, but I, I want to get your thoughts on this. <laughs> so I, I, train, uh, I train fighters. I've been training MMA fighters for a long time, since almost 20 years now. And you know, so I've, I've been doing boxing, kickboxing, jujitsu, wrestling my whole life. And I know for a fact, I've trained cops, I've trained, um, you know, done seminars, had them come into the gym. And I know for a fact that so many are completely untrained. I've had police officers, and I get it all the time with, especially people like in the Marines that were 
I'm a Marine, I'm a killer. And I go, okay, well, we'll go with that, go with that 110 pound girl who's been training six months and they, she beats the shit out of them because they're not that trained, but they think they are. And I've known a lot of police officers and talked to other martial arts instructors too, who are like, man, the stuff that they're put through, it's, I mean, I have professional fighters who've been training every day for years and they still get nervous when they have to fight. They still get that adrenaline and have panic attacks when a fight's about to happen or when someone confronts them in a bar. That they, even though these are trained killers who do this every day for a living and top half a percent of the world. Of, so I'm thinking you've got six weeks of combat training or whatever and not even in real situations necessarily. And then you're thrown out there and you have weapons and other things like this. I, I feel like it's got to be a moment where some of these people are just untrained and they're scared and they don't really exactly know the proper way to, 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 to handle, sorry, I might get a phone going off in the back to handle a situation. And then you add in all the other elements and the adrenaline and, and this other stuff. And I think it's just a recipe for, for this stuff to happen. Then to add on to that, I think that, and I've told Ty this before, I, I think that, that you, if it's fear, so let's say it's fear. I'm, I'm, I'm a cop. I'm out there. I'm not very well trained. I mean, I've seen videos of cops getting thrown on the ground and getting, getting pounded. And you're like, wait a second. What, what, you know, how is this guy getting beat up by this person who doesn't even know how to train, how to fight? Um, I'm sorry. Thank you, babe. My daughter's going to get that. The call, the school keeps calling and calling and calling. Um, so my question is, uh -huh. then you add in, um, systemic racism. Okay. Okay. So you have people who are already afraid and untrained uh, or, or not well, not properly trained. And then you have people who we are told in our, in our society, black people are scarier. We, we hear that all the time. And I bring this, this analogy up a lot because I have, I have a lot of people, one of my, my partners is a big black dude. And he is a very good fighter, and he's a who is a heavyweight champion. And if he tells me a story about it, and he bounces and stuff, and he tells me a story about about being at the bar, and two guys confront him, every time it's a black guy, he'll say, "So these two black dudes came in." No one ever goes, "So these two Asian dudes came in." These right. two Jewish dudes came in yeah, just, because the dudes, yeah. right? Because the story is immediately escalated as, "Ooh, it's scary if it's black guys." Yeah, unfortunately. Even even two other black people. That's yeah. the story. Oh, two big black guys came in. So to me, it's like you add all that in, and now it's scary big black guy, and I don't know what to do, and this guy's kind of moving around and talking shit to me, and I feel like the first thing that comes out is excessive force because they don't know how to they don't know how to control themselves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, go ahead. Before he before Dwayne addresses that. Everything to your point, what you say, and, and, and hopefully I can get it. Dwayne will give me a, a clarification on it. Okay. But everything you just said, Ian, and if, if they have all that training, and we're not talking about brand new America. We're not talking about, hey, fresh out the package. No one's, everything is new in America. No stereotypes exist. No stereotypes have been debunked. None of that has happened. We're talking about 2020 America where this isn't the first case, it ain't the second case, the third, fourth, fifth, I can't even count how many cases this has been before we came to George Floyd. So to me, 
when you're going to say, you know what, I'm choosing to be a cop. Now, let me start that by saying there is, I have nothing but respect for the good cops. Nothing. Why? Because you are doing a job that I wouldn't even think about doing. I don't even care about people enough to put myself on my life. <laughs> on a regular basis for people. I got cousins I probably won't do it for. <laughs> anyway, but with that being said, if you're training to be a cop in modern society and you've seen the misconceptions that have led to the, uh, to the, the deaths of the Walter Scotts, if you've seen the misconceptions that have led to the deaths of the Eric Garners, if you've seen the, the misconceptions, if you've seen all of this and you decide to still be a cop, there has to be something in you that says, okay, I don't want to be that cop. I right. don't want to be that dude. So to Ian's point and to what I just said, please, how much of that does go into consideration? How much is it the fear that Ian was talking about, no matter how well you're trained, and the stereotypes? Okay. Again, that's a lot to unpack, all right? But well, yeah, I'm to unpack a lot of it because I think it goes back to what I said initially. A lot of these young people, when they become police officers, obviously they got they they always come in with that interview. I just want to help people. I want to do this. I want to do that. And I want to be a part of society and help. We train them, as, and all I can speak for as agencies that I work for, we train them the best that we can, okay, to deal with a situation uh, to make them safe, okay. We train them in the use of force. We tra we train them in this thing called the force continuum. Now, Ian. When we talk about the force continuum, that goes that goes different steps from officer presence all the way up until using deadly force. We train them that uh, officer presence is is the first uh, level of uh, the force continuum, where just the sight of you in uniform, looking like you know about your business, will deflect a lot of times people messing with you. And then it goes it goes into all these different levels. We are trained to just use that force necessary to subdue an individual. Once the individual is subdued, we have to not use any more force on the individual because now you're breaking policy, okay? Right. Now, to the fact that you're talking about some of these young people that they may not feel confident in their training, I've been working in recruiting for a few years, and I've seen individuals after they become the police, they went through training, went through the academy, been out there working, and then they come back, turn in their gun and badge and say, this is safe for me, okay? I applaud somebody like that. that yeah. Say, yeah. This is not for me, all right? And they leave, all right? But the people that we continue to have, they have to be led well, they have to be trained well, and they have to have to be, when they, get, when they do something outside the lines of policy, they have to be held accountable. And if they're not held accountable, shame on that police department. Okay. Right. Of uh, Minneapolis, that guy had 13 complaints. We don't know what they all are, but from what I read, some of them were complaints of uh, excessive use of force and things like that too. That should have been dealt with. Okay. Yeah. Dealt with, all right. Um, I do think, and I will say this right now publicly, that some of these cops out here are scared. I. It's as simple as that, and they're scared of a black face, and that goes to what you were talking about, Ian. As far as two black dudes walking the bar, it's not just two dudes; it's two black dudes. Yeah. They're afraid of us. They're afraid, intimidated by us. They have been ingrained for years that the black boogeyman is out there. I mean, it's been times when I walk down the street that I see a, a white couple or something, they'll go walk on the other side of the street. I'm sure that's happened. You be in your car or you're on the side, you're on the corner and you drive, and, and a white couple drives by, their door's locked, right? Dude, I, 
Like, that happened, and I'm wearing Ugg slippers. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? I'm wearing Uggs. What's up? Yeah. So with all that being said. You sure that wasn't thugs? You were in no. thugs living? <laughs> with all that being said, I'm sure that there is some fear there. There is some fear. But again, it all goes back to the agency that they work for. If they are constantly trained, if they are, uh, if they have to certify that they know the rules each and every year. Each and every year, man, let me tell you something. I got to take like seven or eight tests every year to make sure I know when and not to, when I can use deadly force or not. Uh, I got to go to, I got to take a written test on defensive tactics. I got to take a, do a refresher class on the, on how to arrest people and protect myself and use just that force necessary. I got to take a class on driving. If agencies don't do that, shame on them. Let me, let me ask you something real quick. I know you want to ask some real, I just want to throw this out to you. Topic of, of tests that you have to take. Is there a test that they have for cops that are based around racial perceptions? Does that exist? You know, it's, I'm glad you asked that as well. Actually, what came out of um, all this stuff came some policing in the 21st century had uh, Obama had a task force where they said that they wanted all police to be trained in in implicit bias. Okay implicit bias because we all have biases whether or not we want to recognize it or not just like when people always say oh i don't see color yeah you do you see color <laughs> if you don't see color what do you do when you come to a stoplight you go right through it you don't see right so so we've been trained in implicit bias this officer in the country should be getting this type of training it was by the uh, Justice Department a few years ago, and uh, my agency is a big proponent on that. And, uh, and it, um, it's not necessarily a test uh, per se, but it's training, and it's it's, it's training to rec- for you to recognize that you have these biases and not to let those biases affect the way that you police. Okay. Now, and and my other thing is this: is that I find that, like I said, it's it's also training is good when it's when you know, like you're saying taking classes and this and that. But part of my point is as far as the actual, you know, in like you said, you have, we have our biases, we have our fears, we have our things that we're, that's never going to go away probably, or, or it's going to take a long time, like the systemic racism. You, you know, you, you grew up a certain way, your father was racist. Even you try to not be, you still have that in the back. All that sort of stuff happens. But for me, as far as controlling a situation, you know, and I don't want to, I want to harp on this all day with the, with my training stuff, but it's like, I'm just going to bring up a, a quick story of, one of the guys I train, I won't, I won't bring up his name. I've told the story a bunch of times, and, but, so, and it's on TV. But one of the guys, in my, he's a blue belt in jiu-jitsu. And uh, he's not a huge guy. He's not small, but he's about my size. And he's a cameraman on a TV show, on a TV show called First Responders. Okay. There's an episode where the guy gets, uh, one of the cops is arresting a guy, violation, parole, parole violation. And the guy rips out of the handcuffs and doesn't want to be arrested. He's not attacking him, but he's just not letting him arrest him. And the guy, the cop's trying to get him down. And as he does it, the guy elbows him or something and breaks his nose. The cop can't see. And he's got the, he's got blood and he's trying to, and he's trying to call into the other first responders and he gives the wrong address. Okay. So you can hear the cops, the sirens going, but they can't find where they're supposed to be. Okay. So it's like nine minutes where this guy, this, this police officer is trying to get this guy handcuffed. And he's got like zip ties. He's trying to get on and, and, the, and the guy's flailing around and the, the cop can't get it. And he's trying to punch the guy and all this kind of stuff. And the camera people aren't supposed to intervene. But at some point, 
in the middle, like after seven, eight, nine minutes, the guy who trains at my gym sets his camera down, runs over, puts his knee on the guy's belly, which is a th- position we do in jujitsu. Boom, boom, boom. Puts zip tie on the guy. Run, it takes him 10 seconds, runs back and, and picks up the camera. And the narr- they left it in the episode. And the narration goes, this is not a cop. This is our cameraman. It took him 10 seconds uh-huh. with a blue belt level of knowledge in jujitsu to subdue a guy that a bigger police officer with couldn't do in nine minutes. Right. And I was like, and I was like, even if they're kind of trained, if you don't do this stuff on a regular you're right. basis, you, you're going to have, you're not, you're going to have panic. Like it's, you can have people that are 25 years of, I'm, I'm a 300 degree black belt in karate and they've never actually been punched yeah. because they've never been in a real fight. Yeah, right. yeah. And you get in a fight and they're running like this and you go, that guy's a black belt in karate. Yeah. Because yeah. karate is theoretical. They've never actually done anything. Right. And I think that, that there needs to be partly some of that training where it's like, how do you physically subdue somebody and train doing a, a couple of techniques that are, um, I know my friend Greg Jackson does, he does stuff now for the, for the uh, Albuquerque police and around the country as well. He's a famous trainer and he, he teaches them a few basic ways to subdue. Yeah. And then, you know, two people come in and then three people. And if it doesn't get by a certain number, they, they, they clear out and start again. And it's this whole tactic. And it's like, to me, that's going to save lives. If people are, if the if police officers are being trained to, to actually do it, not just told how to do it. Yeah, well, they're trained, and, and, and they do encourage us to do training on our own and whatnot. And I know a lot of uh, my fellow police officers, they do a lot of training on them on their own and whatnot. But, but let's get back to what's happening at hand. Once you do got someone to subdue, it, the fight is over. It's over. Done. Once they're in handcuffs, dude, it's over, okay? I used to tell people when I worked the road, you treat me good, I treat you better. You treat me bad, I'll treat you worse. And I would get more compliance from communicating how I felt from people than having to go hands-on with somebody. Now, once you go hands-on and you get them in handcuffs, it's over. Put them in the truck car, take them to jail. What was this man doing to this guy? and that's and that's why that's why like i said i think it's more of a psychological thing i want to read two things real quick uh everybody that's tuning in we got a nice amount of people over here i don't know how many you have on your end end, but we have a nice amount of people tuning in. i want to get to some comments really quick but i want to encourage everybody if you've never commented on the show this is the show to comment on. This is the time. We have awesome guests that can give you a ton of insight if you ever want to ask a cop anything we have one on the show. <laughs> this is the show. If you want to ask, this don't say we didn't tell you. This is the show right here. So a couple <laughs> comments. Um, my boy Tony says, uh, you better be make damn sure that you are correct. There will be backlash. The cops on the Floyd case could uh, could have told the dude to ease up simply. Yep. Uh, things, yep. uh, and he said other things are not that easy. Because uh, yep. I wanted to ask you something again real quick. Well, that this part in reference to somebody else saying something. Uh, Tanya Ritchie says, um, if you are not a bystander, uh, if you are a bystander, how can you be the most helpful to the person on the ground? Okay. Point. And then uh, you got a personal comp- uh, compliment there, Dwayne. Someone, uh, Lewis Johnson said, nice move, uh, especially as a two-year uh, trooper. I said the same thing, bro. I'm actually surprised. Yeah. That <laughs> um, but I wanted to ask you this in reference to the bystanders and people around uh, the civilians. 
because the a couple of things that I've heard the people saying, hey, man, why didn't somebody else just run in there and get the cop off of them? Now, my first thought was, if you're not a white woman like Reese Witherspoon, there's no way in the world the cop is not going to kill you if you exactly. do that. So is that something as, a, as an officer would... So let's say, would you had... Is that a wise thing for the people to do? Or is that not... What, what would you say to someone says... Well, I think, number one, I think the first thing that went, that went good, that, you know, if anything good in the situation is that somebody was videotaping, number one. Right. I think that was a good thing. Um, as far as somebody just jumping in there and trying to um, uh, um, interfere in what, what these cops were doing and arrest... I think that, I mean, obviously that other police officer was standing, looked like he was standing guard, you know, yeah. and anybody to do anything. And if he, if he, if somebody would have intervened, they probably would have got the knee on the neck too. Okay? Right. I mean, you know what I'm saying? They probably would have yeah. got it too. Um, maybe they would have uh, sacrificed themselves and and made that him lift up off of them, but they would have went, they would have got arrested too. Right. So this is a seminal moment. Uh, in our society, and I think things are going to change because let me give you a great example of why I say it's a similar moment. Remember before 9-11, whenever anybody would want to hijack an airplane, nobody used to want to get involved with that shit, right? Right. Now, if somebody stands up and shouts, on a plane, everybody's going to tackle that motherfucker. Am I right? Right. We've seen that happen on aircraft nowadays. So this is a similar moment. I expect citizens to possibly intervene in in police officers probably even making lawful arrests because of what happened on Monday. No, well, I got a a couple call a couple quick comments over here that are similar. I have a friend I won't mention his name. He's also also a a a black police officer, Um, and he texted me. So I think he didn't want to be. uh, He may want to be or not. But he and then somebody else, Sam, over here asked about fear. On your end, um, for coming out, and then and 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 my my friend who's who's a police officer, he's actually on suspension, I believe, because he he actually went public with a a scam. We were going to have him on, and then he got basically stifled, and we couldn't okay. have him on. But he he was he went he was he went public with a a scam his police force was doing to arrest people uh, in schools and set up this whole. Uh, um, Sting did pipeline for with the school. It was crazy, but he he came out and said something and lost his job. Oh yeah, yeah. And 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 also you've got not just the job, but what about people who the other your other police officers who think you're a snitch, that kind of thing. What, yeah. How does that that fear? Man, let me tell you something, man. I, I'm a 56 year old man. Okay, there's only two things I'm afraid of, and that's God and my alimony payment. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> I could care less whether anybody... You might want to put the money payment above. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? <laughs> I could care less with anybody. People people in my agency know where I stand, okay? What about people, the higher-ups? Could they do yeah, anything? I, they know where I stand. I, okay. man, look. But see, I'm not talking out of school. Uh-uh. I'm talking out of school. I'm talking real. And I'm talking... I'm not I'm not demeaning the profession because I'm, I'm proud to be a police officer. I'm proud to do the job that I do and I've done it well. And the, and my colleagues that I work with do it well uh, also, okay, in, in my particular agency. For individuals in my agency that, that go against policy, they are held accountable, 
okay? They are held accountable. They will lose their job. They will go to jail, okay? Um, so I'm not doing anything wrong by speaking out. All I'm doing actually is educating the citizens. I'm educating the public on what you can do and what you can't do. Right. So, I, so, I, so, so don't worry about me. Right. I'm, I, I, my AC, as long as I don't sit here and say who I am and who I work for, they're fine with it, okay? People yeah. Google me. They can figure it out on their own. I don't give a shit. But my thing is I don't want this to ever happen again. I want people to understand that we're human too and that we're professional, the ones, and I don't want to be labeled as one of the bad apples. And I hate the analogy too, Ty, and I'm going to tell you why. Did you see that Chris Rock special um, a couple of years ago, Tambourine, when he talked about cops always say there's just a few bad apples or only a few bad apples? He said Some, that's a bad analogy. You know, just like some professions, everybody should be good. Pilots, they should all be good, right? You can't have no few bad apple pilots. They'd be like, oh, uh, we want to land a plane, but, you know, uh, sometimes exactly. a few bad apples. That exactly. So that's an excellent analogy. We don't need any bad apples in law enforcement because the job that I can do and that my colleagues can do, we can take your life. And that's... Go ahead, Ian. No, 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 I, no, I, I was just going to say, um, speaking of which, uh, I think you kind of answered this a little bit, but <clears throat> to clarify, Brian over here asked, he goes, can we ask why it's necessary to have three or four officers huddled over a man who's on the ground already detained yeah. um, because it, it then becomes clear that we, we actually um, was actually happening to the person who is apprehended. And, no and that is true. Why are they huddled around and like, it's, it's no excuse for that. The that's guy, not procedure. Um, Ian, the guy is handcuffed. Okay. Once you got the person handcuffed, put them in the car, go to the right. station. We wouldn't even be here today talking about it if they have done that. I have never in my 29 years arrested somebody and then just, you know, laid, left them laying on the ground unless the situation was still fluid and I still had other people that I had the threat. Threats were still in at the scene. Right. The guy was, they got no excuse, man. The guy and it, handcuffs. It, exactly. And this is why, and, 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 it's funny because you, you, you brought up how policing uh, was was back in the day and how it should have been and and the and what people don't understand what I don't think the bad cops understand or the people who employ the bad cops or the the justice system justice system that allows the bad cops to continue to exist what they don't understand is that the community aspect of what the police peace officer is supposed to be right doesn't seem like it exists with the, within the black community. I always tell people when I go home, you know, to Chicago, and you, you know, been to the crib, so, you know, um, there's a difference between the cops in downtown Chicago versus the cops on the south side of Chicago. Right. The cops, and, and, and it's funny because people always say, man, the cops were so sweet and so nice. And I was like, where were you at? Were you downtown? Were there, <laughs> by Oprah? By well, Oprah State? But... <laughs> Those cops are great. He and, 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 and his family, they went to Chicago, and, and, and I'm sure they saw what I'm talking about. But when I go to the South Side, where, my, where I grew up at, right. I don't see those same cops. I don't see that same kind of gentle touch. I don't see that same kind of community aspect. And I think a lot of this has been because of this, the stigma that goes with being black. And this is why I keep coming back to this when I ask you about the training. And right. is this part... Or, or do you think it should be part of that mentality? Because racism ain't going away right away. 
It's not going anywhere overnight. So if you're training to be a police officer, and again, I have nothing but the most, most respect for the people who choose to put their lives on the line for others. But if you're going to do this, you're choosing to do this as a job, what, how much of that, I think it should be more of that mentality that goes into it. Like, yeah, you should have to ask them, yo, if you see a big black dude that's doing this, do you act like this, this, or this? I think those should be specific questions. And they are. You know, you, you know you'd be surprised that even in our hiring process nowadays that we ask a question uh, to enlist about diversity or a question to elicit an answer uh, from an applicant to see if they have been exposed to a diverse population and how they handled that situation. Right. And uh, I'm glad that uh, uh, we're doing that because it is uncovering a lot of uh, implicit and explicit bias. Do you ever, do you ever throw anybody out? That's oh yeah, they've been. Oh yeah, some people. Some people they answer the question wrong. They, I mean, you. Look, I'm not talking out of school. I'm just telling you. I'm just giving an example. I mean, you know, you can get somebody. I'll say something like, you ask them a question like, uh, when what, have you ever done a process? You ever when you were in college or in school, did you ever have a situation where you dealt with somebody of a person of color on a project, and how did you deal with it? And then if an applicant says something like, well, uh, I like colored people and I don't understand uh, these Negroes. Okay. Or if he goes, hey, could you repeat the question? Let me take my hood off. I couldn't hear you. Yeah, yeah, you know. <laughs> so, so, so hopefully. Well, this cross burning is making a lot of noise. Man, look, look you'd be surprised, man. You'd be surprised, man. I, 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 man, I work it, man. You'd be surprised some of the answers some people give you. And they trying to get the job to be the police, and they expose themselves of the racist attitudes that they have, and those people don't get through. Well, can can I also? I want to transition to, to a little bit, maybe to the uh, to the the rioting stuff, whatever you want to call it. There's a few things, maybe a lot to unpack, but just off the top, I'm watching every time this just shit happens. I see, I see the same stuff from the same people. And a lot of the people I know and, and like, um, you know, and, and I know that there's levels of racism. There's overt racism. There are people that, that are in the Klan. There's people who aren't in the Klan and they, and they wouldn't go that far, but they're definitely racist and they use the wrong words and they say all the sorts of Then there's people like, like even that, that woman in, uh, we saw in Central Park who I, I, I bet that she, there's, I know people like that. I don't know how she is, but I know super hip liberal white women who don't think they're racist and, and probably would march, would be out there marching alongside black people, but the second somebody threatens them- Yeah, gets in their space, yeah. Ah. All of a sudden it's like, and, and I don't know, was she saying you're a bad person because you're black? Or was she saying, I don't like the way you're talking to me. How about I call the cops and we'll see how they treat you? Like kicking them in the nuts kind of a thing. Like, right. like say, it's the same thing as saying like, uh, oh, well, how about I scream rape? Well, <laughs> which makes her racist in a different way because she's using her ra the systemic she's racism. Using her privilege. She's using her privilege. Exactly. And I find that on these comments, everyone I see who's, who's got a problem with what's going on. And I don't condemn condoning looting. I'm not condoning rioting at all. 
Okay, and I don't think in this case it matters anyway because we're seeing how it started now, whatever. But, but regardless of, there are definitely always, you get thousands of people, hundreds of people protesting and they're angry because this is the thousandth time they've had to protest the same type of situation. Yeah, blood is hot, people are, are, are angry and, and you always get a few assholes who come out there to throw rocks, for sure, I get that. And, and you can, we can talk about those people. But the fact is, every time it happens, I see people go, well, oh, peaceful protest. They shouldn't be throwing rocks. They shouldn't be doing that. And I'm like, wait a second. You're getting a group of people, an angry mob, if you want to call it that, or an angry crowd that they're there for peace, but they're, they're angry and mad. And you have cops show up in riot gear, ready to go, ready to go with the first rock that's thrown. And you expect we hold those people to a higher standard of self-control Exactly. Then the riot police and the guy who put his neck, his knee on the neck. Why do I? Why do I hold a group of untrained, angry protesters to a higher level of self-restraint than trained people? Yeah, yeah, I hear you. I, you know what? And um, th- I, just like I think, Ty, I think you said this too. Um, I don't condone any type of rioting or violence whatsoever. And it should be peaceful, but I but I understand. Okay, right. that's just like and we always. I always go back to Chris Rock because he's like, "Hey, I don't should have killed him, but I understand. I I understand the ups why they're so upset and and why um those 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 things come out. Um, there's been times when I have been on that riot line as that police officer with the helmet on and the baton and the gas mask and a turtle suit and I'm getting yelled at because there's, you know, I'm protecting the Klan's right to free speech behind me and I'm in between demonstrators and the Klan, you know, where I have to, where they're yelling at me saying, how can you as a black man protect the Klan while they're saying all these things about you? Because number one, I took an oath to protect and defend the Constitution of the United States and their right to say bad things. Absolutely. So, so when we come out there, we're actually out there to protect their right to protest. That's what we're there for. We're not there to clamp down on them. We're there to protect property, protect life, and protect their right to protest. Now, if they choose to start throwing rocks and bottles and making it violent, we're supposed to use whatever force necessary to protect life and protect property. And that's it. And that's it. Um, I feel bad about what happened out in uh, in, in Minneapolis. Well, I know I see that my grandson's here. <laughs> I know it's Chase. I know he's like a puppy, Paw Paw Patrol. Go, go, go play with that. But uh, I feel bad about what took place there. But I think that they, and especially, they came in too late. Did, wouldn't you agree? I mean, last night, they should have been out there last night trying to protect uh, property. But they got in too late, and then when they went in, I mean, they got it under control now, but it looks to me like um, they just need some more. They need stronger leadership. You know what I'm saying? So, and, uh, okay, so to that, a couple comments real quick. Uh, one, uh, Tony says, uh, also no one is addressing the fact that during uh, the Obama, Obama administration, there was an infiltration of white supremacists entering the police force. So, wait, 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 wait. so say what? <laughs> and, uh, and I'm assuming what he means is is that there were a lot of racists that were so mad. Okay. That we have a black president. Ah. Okay. That they joined the police force to kind of balance out and still try to have their 
So that's one. But okay. then uh, Krista says, uh, National Database for Cops removed, fired, or quit under investigation uh, for force, fraud, and bad behavior. So, okay. you know. So oh, that's I, a great idea. No, no. I think that second one, have a national database of that. Oh, yeah. I think that's a great idea. And I will tell you, here in Michigan, we have a thing called MCOV, which is Michigan Commission on Law Enforcement Standards. And each officer in Michigan is licensed and uh, by the state to be a police officer. And uh, they monitor police officers that have been fired. Because sometimes you get cops that go from department to department. They'll, they'll commit abuses and whatnot. And then the department will fire them. And then they'll go get a job at another department. And, uh, and, and yeah. They're, and their um, uh, uh, history doesn't follow them. That doesn't happen here in Michigan. But now, I, why, why is that not? Why is that not a national thing? Because that that to me would be a huge step in getting rid of all of these. Like, because again, when you um, like, it's a lot of cops that were uh, accused of stuff, and then they just resigned, whether right. even whether it be actions or whether it be words. And then what people don't realize, what some people don't realize, is that. They just go ahead, they resign, because it looks like they. I just decided to leave, I wanted to yep. relocate, and then yep. they're allowed to relocate, so they yep. can take that bad behavior and that, that, yep. that racist hatred ideology to Some a whole another place. And I think, uh, again, Tony was trying to clarify that that's what it was. He said it was an uptick in white supremacists right. starting, uh, you know, starting to become police. And okay. I, I didn't know that. And, and let, me, let me ask you a question about this, too, because it could just be my misconception. It could just be, you know, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm very, you know, fact-based, and, and, I, and I know that the, inter the Internet and the media and stuff can get out of control, and we see what, we see what, we, what our, our algorithms want us to see. But it does seem to me, because I get, I get in these arguments with my racist cousins and whatever that, that are like, well, how come, how come at the, you know, I point out the Michigan uh, protests about the masks, or I push, point out the, the Huntington Beach protests, and they go, see, because when white people protest, they don't set buildings on fire, and they don't do this, and they don't do that. And I'm like, well, first off, that's not true because we did see uh, on the, the white with the run over a woman in the street in the Nazi riots. Let them win a let them win a baseball or basketball game too. But, yeah, they, but, yeah, yeah. I've been a lot. Look, I've been a lot of those riots when they win the Final Four in Ann Arbor and different places all over. But but, but my but my question to, is about. It seems to me that the initial response in a lot of cases from the police is different because. When I see a lot of like the ones in Ferguson and these ones before anything starts, you see a group of people marching and the police show up with helmets, face masks, they got shields, they got, they got their clubs out, they got their tear gas, they're ready to go. I look at Huntington Beach where there were hundreds or thousands of people marching about gas, about masks, yeah. and cops were sitting on bicycles, eating donuts. And I'm not being funny. They were literally pictures. And then I look at the pictures of, of Michigan where you got these guys with their AKs, their AR-15. They got their gun strap. They got, they got camouflage on. And they're screaming in the face of a cop who doesn't have any riot gear on. And they're Calm inside, as fuck. The, inside yeah. the building of an elected official. Yeah. Who could, they could be there to assassinate that person. And they're just like, it's cool. Meanwhile, people going, hey, don't kill us. And it's riot gear. And I feel like that has to immediately give a sense of escalation. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, 
I, I hear you. Go ahead, Ty. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I was gonna I was gonna say, and and I hopefully you can piggyback on this what what Ian just said. A, a, a lot of this comes down to where you are here. A lot of this comes down to this because if in your mind you've been trained to only fear these people, only fear these people, that's what is going to kick in for you. There's a reason Ted Bundy was able to kill as many people as he was able to kill. There's a reason that the Unabomber went around and did all the stuff that he did. There's a reason why John Wayne Gacy did all of the stuff that he did. There's a reason why all of these white people have been able to commit these crimes. The dude that uh, killed the people in Vegas, he literally strolled through the fucking casino with the weapons. Strolled through the casino with the weapons because no one thought he was a threat. And every time, every single fucking time, it comes down to, oh, well, they did it because uh, they had mental issues or uncle touched them or their cable went out or some bullshit like that. It's, it's weird to me that all of these crimes that have been committed, no one just sits down and says, guess what? All of these people can be threats. All of them. I'm not just going to look at dark people as threats. There's a dude right now that just got after a fucking six-day manhunt yeah. that killed two people. Yeah, and they, they there's pictures of him sitting there, and the cop is handing him water, water. <laughs> on top of the Dylan roof. Drove across the state to find nine black people in a church praying, fucking praying. Gunned them down. They took that little motherfucker to Burger King. So what I'm saying is, there has to be something mentally with America to finally just admit. Why you don't like us? Yeah, yeah. Admit that, then you can move forward. Until we do, there's no amount of training. There's no amount of nothing. If a person hates you because of what you look like, that shit is gonna stay. Doesn't matter whether you have a badge or not. And this is what people keep forgetting and keep sweeping under the rug. America has never liked us. They have never liked us, even though they benefit from us, even though they gain a lot of stuff from us, even though literally the land that they are on, our ancestors helped build, but yet we are the most vilified because of this. Yeah. There is nothing statistically that makes black people worse than white people. Nothing. There's zero. Yeah. But we have this mentality that keeps going on. Like I see kids now with the knee. They're taking pictures with the knee on the neck. Oh, yeah. You know why you do that? that? Yeah. You do that because you don't value the life of the people that it happened to. Exactly. Yeah, but, but, but the reason, Ty, is this all goes back to what I'm saying. We've talked about this before. Because a lot of these people, they have this mentality of, if I was, if my ancestors were slaves, if my ancestors were subjugated, when I got some power, I'd be fucking motherfuckers up. So what they look at is they go, oh, well, we can't give them too much power or they are going to come after us because that's what they would do. That They think that black people are waiting for the opportunity <clears throat> to kill white people and rape their women. So when they show up to, to protest, it's here it comes. Here comes that race riot. They're going to they're gonna start fucking people up. We better do something. That's why, because they know that that's what they would fucking do. Right. <laughs> the shoe was on the other foot. Yeah. Let, me just, let me just answer real quick what you were talking about as far as what happened here in Michigan. You know, we're an open carry state, unfortunately, where people can exercise their Second Amendment right by walking around. You can walk around with a rifle, a shotgun. You can walk into a store with it. 
you know, you can. It's like the Wild West. You can do it here in Michigan, okay? And they and these Second Amendment um, open carry people know that. So, but I will tell you this too, and I'm not trying to make an excuse for them or anything. Those folks are the most, and I'm gonna put it to this way: they they're not aggressive with what they're doing. They listen when the those troopers only let a few in at a time in the Capitol. It's, and, I, and I get that. It's very intimidating. But that picture where that one guy is yelling at the, what it looked like he's yelling at the police officer, you know that one picture? Right. You know, mm-hmm. mask on, the guy's like, ah, screaming. A lot of people don't know, but what something preceded all of that. What preceded it was um, – uh, a lady was in the gallery of the state legislature, House Representatives, like a day before, and was and had an altercation with some of the uh, sergeant at arms at the at the House of Representatives. So all of them, they all came in the next day to uh, demonstrate against what happened to her. And that guy was actually he wasn't yelling at the police that were standing there. Those guys were protecting. The, the floor of the house to not allow those protesters to, to get to, to get to he was yelling at these the, the house sergeants I'm not saying that it makes it right but that's exactly what he was doing he was yelling at them so the, 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 the troops that were there were just trying to um, facilitate their right to protest they they didn't feel threatened by them in any way obviously. Um, and uh, and those and and and, but it still was not a good look. I, and and believe well, I think isn't that the I, point? Though? They, I, did, they didn't feel threatened. You can imagine this real, real quick because uh, I want to ask about the open carry. Of the open carry, since Michigan is open carry, and don't forget your point. And I just I, I want to ask him because yes. he said it about the thing. Of the open carry people, how many black people do you see walking around with rifles like white people? Do? Okay, now that day, not a single one, but. The next day, or a couple of days later, you probably saw this on the news, there was a couple of uh, 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 black open carry uh, advocates that uh, escorted a black representative. Right. To- I saw that. Yep. But like in everyday, but I'm talking about in everyday society, since it's an open carry yeah. state. Oh, hell no. no, no. <laughs> They're not crazy enough to do that. That was my point. But see, but see that, my, my, and, and that goes back to my point. Hell no. <laughs> and that goes back to my point that, that it's like you said, it's like they didn't feel scared. Well, that's my point, is that if you don't okay. feel scared by a bunch of, uh, of, of you know, uh, a cracker, yeah. you know, dude with guns and military fatigues, but you feel scared by a soccer mom with a, with a sign saying, don't kill my, my, like, that's my point is that when you show up, you know, when you show up to, to an event and it's like, if someone goes, Hey man, there's going to be some white people protesting. And I, and I show up with, with lollipops and shorts and flip flops. Right. Or I, or I show up with my gun, you know, in my military fatigues with my gun. Why'd you do that? Well, because the black people are going to be there. I better be ready. Well, don't you think that the people that are protesting now, they feel threatened? So, of course, that's how things escalate. Then, like in this case, which we we get this this mysterious white dude with the umbrella. Oh, I saw that. Yeah. And and, I mean, I'm not going to spread any conspiracy theories because I haven't figured out who he is. I want to know what he thinks about that, though. I want to know what Dwayne thinks about it. I mean, from what I saw on Twitter, somebody said they identified the guy as a, as a police officer or something. 
Well, the police denied it. Huh? The police denied it, but the thing is that... And the thing is that there's a lot of, you know how these things go. Like the, yeah, yeah, yeah. one person says that there was a text message, we don't know who it was, yeah. with somebody who knew him who said, yes, that's him. Those there's are his, his boots. Ex-wife, supposedly, yeah. Well, then, then it turned into his ex-wife. That's the problem. Originally, it was a friend. Then it became his ex-wife. So, oh, I see what you're saying. But the thing is that we know for a fact that, you know, in the, in the video, he says, I'm with you. So he could be one of those anarchist guys that just wants to start shit. Yeah. He, he could be a right-wing neo-Nazi who wants to get stuff. Yeah, absolutely. But the thing is, we know that the cop that there's St. Paul cop they're talking about was there. In the, was there. We know from one of the videos that the, the auto parts store is next door to the third precinct. The oh, guy wow. comes from behind the third precinct, spray paints the wall, free shit here, breaks the windows, starts the fire, leaves and goes back toward the, the third precinct and if you look at it he's wearing he's wearing black boots that look like cop issue boots and that gas mask i tell you, i mean i'll be honest i i wouldn't be surprised if it was a police officer did some shit right. like you know yeah. what i'm saying i wouldn't be surprised you know because, well and yeah. well you and see that that's why that's why like i said it, it comes back down to a mentality of of your job like uh, I'll tell you something really quick, comedy related, and, and and this is what I mean by like when you take a job, you should care about the job, especially a job as as important as protecting the the community. Right. So with comedy, I remember I did a show years ago, and uh, I told a joke that you know I originated the joke. It was my joke, but and I hadn't done the joke for a long time. I just brought it back for the show. Okay. So I told the joke. Blah blah blah. So then I look on the message boards, and on the message boards it said, uh, uh, "Hey, dear Mr. Barnett, uh, are you familiar with the term plagiarism?" And first of all, they spelled plagiarism wrong. So that was because <laughs> they weren't even familiar with the term. So, uh, but they they brought up the joke that I did, and they said, "Well, do you know this is a joke told by such and such?" And I always tell people two things that I've always taken very seriously being a father and being a great comedian. This is, this is always from a long time, ever since I started. So I didn't want the stigma of being a joke thief right. on me. I didn't want that on me. So as opposed to just ignoring the comment, I wrote the person back and said, yo, this is my joke. These are the people that can tell you it's my joke, blah, 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 blah. So when I, and that's me just telling jokes. So when it comes to, to, to policing uh, the community. Uh-huh. I just don't understand what kind of mentality goes into a person that says, "Hey, you know what? I'm gonna go out here, break uh-huh. these windows, spray paint this, and incite this." I would yeah. think that cop that wants to keep the peace would be like, "Hey, man, no, 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 no. We can arrest these people if they do something wrong, but we're not right. gonna exacerbate this." Well, let me tell you. Let me tell you a little thing real quick. First of all. Cops are, are a microcosm of all people too. None exactly. of them are perfect. Okay, and they all have character flaws like everybody else. But let me ask both of you: Did you guys know that usually in a case where somebody's an arsonist, hold on a second, here you go, young man. That usually in the case of an arsonist, do you know that the main people that we look at as police officers to be the suspect in the arsonist? Yeah. Okay. Wow. Yeah, firemen. Yeah. Because sometimes uh, these guys like to go set a fire and then come back and then 
be like the hero to put it out. Right. Okay. That, that's a known fact. Okay. Firemen do shit. Oh. They, they're people that we look at as and and, fire, and, and, and the arsonists. A lot of times they re, they return to the scene. Right. To to, to, to burn. To work. So when you have somebody that has a, a mental character flaw, um, just because they're in the police don't mean they they don't have it. And I could totally see somebody, oh, shit, let's get this thing going. You know what I'm saying? Right. And so I would hope, I would hope in, in the deepest of my heart that, that a police officer wouldn't do anything like that. But if, I could, if I've seen in my experience as a police officer for 29 years where a firefighter has set a, a fire to just to watch it burn and watch his friends go and put it out and, and whatnot, or, or say, hey, look, I found this fire over here. Dude, right. I don't put that by, I don't put that behind yeah. Well, and, and also, there's, like you said, I mean, there's no reason that I, I know cops that are, um, I know good cops and I know cops that shouldn't be cops. I know cops that are racist. I know um, we've seen this. So the fact, we also know that, again, they stick to their own. This, if it is a cop, if, it is, if he is a police officer, he could easily have been doing it because we know that they want to discredit the, and this is the first way to discredit it. Oh, you want a peaceful protest? Well, then why are you rioting and starting shit? So right. they, they're discredited. And look at look at the guy who who killed him, uh, uh, Ahmad Arbery. He he was a former cop. Yeah. So yeah. it's like and, we, we and, this happens. And the DA and the DA helped him avoid arrest for two months. Right. Yes. And helped so, him keep his job for two months until he retired because he had failed to pass the qualification. For his use of force, annually use of force stuff. Do you right. see what I'm saying? And, and this is why. For six years. For six years. Do you see that? This is why people have such distrust for the commute, for, for cops. And, and I want to be clear about something that I posted. And, and Dwayne and I was talking about this before we uh, got on today. I posted that rioting and looting, I don't see that as the answer for us. Right. Not because. It's not justified to have this anger, not because it's not justified to be outraged and, 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 and uh, saddened by a system that, doesn't, that has constantly disappointed us and has constantly berated us, has constantly oppressed us, has constantly killed us, but because of how it's going to be perceived by the people who want us to do that. Right. They want us to loot. They want us to riot. They want us to burn shit. They want us to do something to give them a reason to use the riot gear. There's a reason why they have riot gear. I guarantee you there's no fucking way and that let's make riot gear for right. white people. Well, and so, also because they want to be able to, like Trump, he wants to be able to call them, them thugs. Exactly. He wants to be able to say, see, these are bad people, which is why they need a knee to the fucking neck. That's Ugh. That's what, that's what this is about. And, and really quick, I'm not, this is an open-ended question. It's more of like a, a two rhetorical questions. And then we probably have to go here pretty soon, Ty, because we were over. I'm not sure Paul can chime in if he wants. Paul, if you want to come on, you <laughs> can let us know if you got it. But, but two things. Been great, Number bro. one, it's always the crowd that, that you know, and I don't want to be too stereotypical, but it's always the right wing, the Second Amendment crowd that we'll talk about. That, that, that when it's white guys with the guns, oh, well, they're doing it peacefully. When it's black guys here, oh, they're not doing it peacefully, even though they got signs and it was a white guy that broke the windows and started the fire. But my point is, you're, if, every, if the only amendment that matters is the Second Amendment, 
And, and the whole point of the Second Amendment is we have to be armed in case the government gets tyrannical. Well, these, how is throwing rocks and fireworks, that's not even guns. But these are people fighting back against what is seen to a lot of people as a tyrannical government. Right. So the Second Amendment people who are like, we need guns in case the government tries to take our property and tries to kill us and tries to, to, tries to destroy our rights, they should be the ones backing these people going, hey, the government got tyrannical on these people and they fought back, not with guns, but with, but with rocks and other things. So I don't know where the Second Amendment people are. And the other question I have for the people, the, the people that have a problem with this is, what is the proper peaceful protest? Because Kaepernick took a knee, and, and y'all didn't like that. Y'all didn't like that. Okay, he didn't, he didn't firebomb a building. He didn't break any fucking windows. He took a knee. These people come out and peacefully protest, and then, they get, and then somebody else does some shit, and they get fired on with tear, tear gas and rubber bullets. What's the proper response? If it's not taking a knee, if, it, if it's not using your platform on the Oscars to go, hey, man, stop this violence against black people if that's not the proper and the proper thing isn't to take to the streets and be angry and go hey blah blah, blah and the, and the proper response isn't to fight back and firebomb the pri- precinct what's the but fucking it, proper response hey bro ian i don't have the answer all right man if i had the answer i'd be a millionaire baby because I, I don't have it <laughs> we got to keep doing what we're doing do something to bring um bring a light to it um the violence just like ty and i talked about if we could stop that, that'd be, that'd be the best thing that we can do. And we've got community organized out there that were in between uh, the the mob. Well, you know, the, the angry people, I don't call them a mob, but the angry professors and the police. We've had community organized. But somebody, some agitators got in there, like you said, that guy with the umbrella breaking windows. And so it, it, it just always goes downhill for some reason. But I understand. I don't agree with it, but I understand. And we just got to continue to um march and do the things that we need to do so i mean ty you got anything for it well i would i would say uh we've tried everything else <laughs> we have <laughs> we tried everything else except financial rioting yeah we oh. tried everything except that i go back to the kaepernick thing i said it on the podcast yesterday the only thing races hate more than black people is losing their livelihood. That's the only thing. There is nothing that makes them more upset than losing their way of life. I go back to the bus boycotts. The bus boycotts happened not because white racists decided to not be white racists, but because they were losing money. Those people, our ancestors, didn't burn the bus. We just stopped riding the bus. And they were like, well, shit, If, if that's what it takes for me to get this money, Fine, let them sit wherever the fuck they want to sit. Absolutely. And I, I keep, get, I, and we haven't done anything like that since. Let me say this. I know, we are, I know we're running low on time, but we have not done anything like that since. We march. They get, they get upset because we're marching. We fucking uh, protest. Oh, you're blocking my way to work. We take a knee. How dare you respect the flag and the veterans? We, we make hashtags and T-shirts. You mock the hashtags and the T-shirts. Literally, fucking cops are wearing shirts mocking I can't breathe. Right. So the only thing we have not tried 
is the financial aspect of this. Yes. Stop supporting uh, in, uh, the NFL when they literally are still telling you, we don't care if he is in the league or not. Give us your money. Because whenever I tell people this, they're like, oh, that doesn't mean anything. It does mean something. Because they can t- they, they're telling you, even though we're keeping him out of the league, you're still giving us money. You're still going to pay us. With Donald Sterling, same thing with the NBA when he was threatening not to sell the Clippers. And all the basketball players said was, well, we're just going to play, but with our jerseys reversed. What the fuck does that do? It does nothing. They're still going to sell tickets. They're still going to sell some concessions. They're still going to sell advertising. All of that is still going to happen. The only thing is you're just going to be making the money in a reverse jersey. So what has to happen? is that 70-plus percent of black players, those 70% of black players that make up literally most of the fucking teams, tell them, I'm not playing. I'm not getting on the field. I'm not getting on the court. I'm not getting on the diamond. I'm not doing any of that. Oprah, stop suggesting books. Jay-Z, stop making music. Will Smith, stop making movies. Stop all of this shit that is making these people money. Black people, instead of burning down the target, don't go to the target. Right. Don't go. Don't give them your money. Don't give money to Walmart. Don't give money to Gucci. Don't give money to Versace. Don't do any of this shit. Spend your money with black-owned businesses. Spend your money with with commerce that is going to look out for you and care for you. And I promise you, once you do that, once you take – look, look, by the way, just real quick, look at how quickly – the economy went where it was when people weren't allowed to go spend money. Mm-hmm. That's everybody, by the way. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, imagine yeah. if we just stopped giving money to this society, right. stop contributing to this society. We've never tried it. No. What was it, the movie they made in uh, A Day Without a uh, Week Day Without a Mexican? That. <laughs> Look at that. Yeah, this yeah. shit is real. That's the only thing we haven't tried. And so we try that. Something on Facebook or something. They talk about like June. Um, July, it's a date in July where they talk about economic shutdown or something. I just saw something like that just recently. Oh, I did not know. I didn't wow. see it. I have to look into that. I just but that's, that's what it means. I was looking for because it's funny that you mentioned that. I just saw it. It's, I, I'll send it to you once I find it. But I just saw it just recently where they're talking about they want to fight that way now as well. So right. we yeah, have to that. And can I also say another thing? <clears throat> I'm going to say we talk about this a lot. Vote. Yes. Black people don't vote. and Everyone doesn't vote enough. Black people don't vote enough. And I know it's 12, you're 12%, you're 13%. Here's a statistic. Every single time the black vote turns out, that 12 to 13% always pushes the person. The person who has, the, who has, who has a good turnout and has the black vote always wins when the black vote turns out. Well, look at North Carolina. Yeah. <laughs> it, we, turned yeah. out, we, we turned out a showdown for him. And, and that's the only reason that's the only reason we flipped the, uh, the house. Absolutely. Because of the black vote. And so the thing is, black, and, and the other thing is this, for all you, for everybody out there, like we talk about the Bernie bros all the time, whatever. <sighs> don't expect it to happen overnight. Don't expect every candidate to be perfect. Don't expect every candidate to immediately change the system. Okay. Right. It's going to take years and years. You vote in this guy or this woman, and they're going to be better than this person, but they might not be perfect. And you push them. And if they don't get what you want, then you vote them for somebody who is what you want. And you keep doing that 
and it's going to take a long time. It's going to take you getting involved in the, in the local district and then the state districts, and it's going to take all of us working slowly. It's going to take 10, 20, 30, 40 years of a push, and it's going to take cultural, which the cultural is working. Most people aren't racist anymore. Most people want equality. Most people, when you poll, most people want health care. They want, they want equal rights to, to minorities and gays and all this sort of stuff. Most people want that. Culturally, we're getting there. We need to get there politically as well. And if yes. you say, it doesn't matter, and it's all bullshit, my vote doesn't count, then you are part of the problem. So get exactly. the fuck out and vote. Make a difference. Get involved in your community. Do what you can do on the local level, on the national level, and get out there. This, is, this coming up November is the most important election of our lifetime. Ever. Yeah. Ever. This, this, this is life or death, man. Exactly. Absolutely. Um, so, I so guess let's, we have to wrap this up. Uh, thank you for sticking with us, Paul. Thanks, man. I told you. Um, gonna... um, I have to Dwayne. say this really quick. Hey, bro, Dwayne, let me tell you, man. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> you have been one of the best guests that we've had on the show. I'm not just saying you're here right now. Uh, you, you, you gave us information. Uh, you, you, you taught us. You showed us how to look at this from a lot of different perspectives. And and like I said, man, I knew early on when I thought about having you on the show that it was going to turn out great. Mm. And uh, by the way, uh, everyone, uh, he's been on the force for how long? Uh, well, I've been a police officer for 29 years. Nice. 29 years, almost three decades of, of in, uh, expertise there. So uh, I want to thank you personally for, for joining the show, bro. And uh, anytime you want to come back on, please let us know. I have a funny feeling it will be needed. So, <laughs> so. Yeah, Dwayne, really, really appreciate you coming on. By the way, real quick, uh, uh, Brian over here told me it's called, they're calling it Na uh, Blackout Day on July 7th. So yep, just go look go. that up, Blackout, Blackout Day, July 7th. Yeah, it was a real pleasure having you on. You were Thank you. And make sure, you know, I'm on Twitter. I'm at, I'm at um, the Comedy Cop on Twitter, also Instagram. I got to plug my shit, you know. Yeah, do please. it. Got to Comedy Cop on uh, the Comedy Cop on Twitter and also on Instagram. So and Dwayne Gill, uh, uh, follow me, man. I, I I love you guys, Ty. You know I love you, man. And once we get out, I hope back, bro. The stage with you again sometime. Yeah, okay? I know. It, it seemed like uh, ages ago that we that yes, is, so. Yes, um, thank you, guys. Oh, Ian, uh, everybody, Ian, do the thing. Yeah. The so so. <laughs> Be sure to find us on not just Facebook, but find us on iTunes, Stitcher, all the places where podcasts are prevailed, I guess it is done. I don't know what the word is. Uh, and that's not the right word. Anyway, pervade. That's um, okay. So where you find can find us, like us and share us, please get the word out about this podcast. I think I th we, you know, we're, we're building and it's good. It, that's good. But um, your help helps giving us a rating, giving us a review. Um, if you want to help us uh, pay pay the bills to our thing, we you can we have a Patreon. We don't offer anything extra right now because it's very small. Though you can donate a little bit of money. Uh, Patreon.com/slash/criticalandthinking. And um, you guys know where to find me. I'm right here. I'm on Facebook. You can find my my uh, website uh, IanHarrisComedian.com or SkepticComedian.com. And Ty, uh, I want to say thank you to everybody that tuned in today. Tony, Krista, Lamont, Tanya. Uh, Maurice, uh, we, uh, yeah, we had a, a lot of guests on today. You can find me at comedianTyBarnett.com, which has all the links to the social media platforms, Instagram, Twitter, and I think that's it. I'm not joining any more other platforms. <laughs> that's it. 
so comedian which has all the links uh, to the uh, uh, web series. This is the bullshit I'm talking about. The there's a couple of DVD uh, CDs on there that you can download. I was about to say DVDs uh, that you can <laughs> down VHS tape. You can get yourself some VHS tape. <laughs> uh, so go there and check that out. And uh, I, I, I one last thing. Until we until we start seeing each other as equal, nothing will be equal. That's right. And there is there is no other way around it. None. Until you start looking at your fellow brother and sister as equals, nothing will get better. Critical and thinking podcast, Ty Barnett. Ian Harris, thanks everybody on the side. We'll see you next time. Have a great weekend, everybody. Peace.